still on the the old handout. Okay. We're on. A, we're dealing with. We have. A, we have performance factors in Second Corinthians chapter six. We didn't make it all the way through the through that last time. So tonight, I, I hope. I hope this is recording. I do not know. Um, I don't see anything clicking off as though it is. I'm feeling a little insecure about it. So, it's on hold. I think I'm recording. On. Okay. Well, I'm just going to record by faith, not by sight. I don't know for sure if I'm on or not, but I'm going to pray that I am. Okay, so welcome to Sunday night prayer meeting. Uh, we normally have Ron up here. Ron is uh, out tonight, I think probably partially with transportation issues. And then Jeff is sick, and uh, so we're having some attrition. And Jamie Davis' uh, situation is his grandmother. We'll be praying for her as she's got COVID and... Uh, He's out today as well because of that. He doesn't want to infect anybody. So we've been in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, performance factors. And, uh, you know, what is in the world am I talking about with that? Let me back up and and uh, kind of put some context of where we've been. It's been a couple weeks. I was out last week in Monmouth, and that was a great time up there. This time last Sunday, I was teaching BBS, and uh, it was a good time. So we've been talking about the Credible Christian Ambassador. In Second uh, Corinthians chapter six, and in uh, and we've been uh, working through the text uh, in order. When I get back there myself, Second Corinthians chapter six, and tonight we should be wrapping it up. And so, um, you know, we talked about how you know we've got a job. When you go out for a job, you go you have a job interview, and once you get the job, you're on the clock. Uh, we have a job description, and then tonight we're going to look at performance factors. So we saw that, that uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 6, 1, Paul opens up and he says, We then as workers together with him beseech you also, as you receive not the grace of God <clears throat> in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted in the day of salvation. I have succored thee. Uh, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no, giving no offense in anything. That the ministry be not be not blamed, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses and stripes and imprisonments and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand, on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, by as deceivers yet true as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. And so uh, so Paul says, look, we have the credentials. We've got the job. We're his ambassadors. We talked about how our job is, is to be ministers of reconciliation in chapter 5, excuse me, verses 17 through 19. 
We're new creatures. We have a new ministry. We have a new commitment. We have a new vocation. And then in verse 1 of chapter 6, he talks about now that we are workers, right? We're co-laborers with Christ as we are reconciling men and women to God. Uh, God desires a return on his investment. And uh, and we're on the clock. In verse 2, he talks about, you know, now is the time. Behold, now is the time to be saved. Now is the time uh, to go to work. Once we're saved, God has a plan for us. He wants to work in us and through us. And so we spent some time talking about that, how a good minister of reconciliation maximizes their time. We saw that um, you know we all have a limited time on this earth to preach an eternal message. And so we need our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to help us in that. And we uh, spent some time talking about that. So we got a job. We're on the clock. And uh, now we have a job description. Um, and so we, we even talked about that. Our job description is that we're ambassadors and we're to represent the kingdom well. And we saw that in verses 3 through 10, which I just read. And then Christ's ambassadors must be willing to suffer physically. So Paul lists out all those physical things that he's endured uh, through much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses, stripes, imprisonments, tumults, labors, watchings, fastings. Excuse me. We never we never hear Paul complain about suffering as an ambassador for Christ. As a matter of fact, he calls it in chapter four and verse seventeen his light affliction. And then we saw that Christ's uh, ambassadors are to maintain a clean spiritual walk in verses six through eight, as we just read by pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor. <coughs> excuse me, by evil report and good report. And uh, uh, and so uh, we saw then that also that Christ's ambassadors are to demonstrate humility, uh, which we just saw in verses 9 through 10, uh, as deceivers yet true, as unknown yet well known, as dying uh, but visibly alive, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making rich, as having nothing yet possessing all things. So that leaves it, leads us finally to the last part of the text, which is where we're going to be tonight. And by God's grace, we'll finish up the, tonight on this. So he says, O ye Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but you're straightened in our own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children. Be ye also uh, enlarged. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord? which is an agreement, has Christ with Belial, which is a devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity to meet tonight and uh, to just look at this text. I pray, God, it would be an encouragement to us as we prepare to pray. We thank you for the example of Paul, the ministry and, uh, of reconciliation and uh, the word of reconciliation. And, Lord, this chapter on how to reconcile folks uh, to God and, and the endurance and the patience that he had and how he fulfilled his mission and his job. Lord, may we have that same type of grace uh, to, uh, to be faithful until you come for us, Lord. And may we be wise in the agreements that we make, uh, Lord, that may we be careful in those things. 
we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, we're on the job. We have a job, first of all. It's the Ministry of Reconciliation. We're on the clock. Time is, is ticking. And then we've looked at the job description. So now, whenever you get a job... If you have a review annually, they're going to they're going to list out the performance factors, and that's what they're going to grade us on on our job performance. And so, uh, so what happens is in verses uh, 11 through 13 is that we see corrupt charity causes work stoppage. In verse 11 through 13, he says, "Oh, you Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are straightened in us, but <clears throat> ye are not straightened in us. I'm sorry, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. For uh, now, for a recompense in the same, I speak as." as unto my children, uh, be ye also enlarged. Be not, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And so Christ's ambassador, Christ's ambassador is to communicate their love to the brethren. Um, and so men have to get over uh, their macho image, right? Because lack of communication uh, will cause a man to lose his family. And so Paul is he's uh, being very heartfelt here. He's not trying to uh, be a macho man. He's like, hey guys, my my I'm I'm open to you. I'm sorrowful. Uh, as, uh, he says I'm, in verse 11, he says, "You Corinthians, our mouth is open unto you; our heart is enlarged." And so, uh, he's he's really making himself vulnerable, is the word that we would use. And so, Christ's ambassadors have to have a, a large heart. And David said in Psalm 119 and verse uh, 32, he says, "I will run the way of thy commandments, but thou shalt enlarge my heart." And so, God is the one who can can give us the heart that we need. And so sometimes it can you can worry if you have enough heart, you know. Am I, am I kind of when I was preaching this morning? It's like uh, some of the attributes that you see in Christ. You wonder, you know, do I have what it takes to be a Christian uh, at that level? I can't love like Christ loves. Well, we can naturally, but God is the one who gives us the capacity to love. It's a supernatural love that He gives us. So you don't have to work up love. It's something that God gives us, and it's a gift. It's a gift of the Holy Ghost. And so <clears throat> David said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. The problem is not doing what God says. The problem is having a heart to do what God says. And, uh, and so our heart is always the issue. So what's holding me back or what's holding you back from an open mouth and an enlarged heart? You know, Paul says uh, <clears throat> uh, that straightened is not the same as uh, straightened. But uh, so we straighten out our bent uh, rim, and we put a straight jacket on an insane person. So there's a difference uh, between those two. So if you look carefully at the word here, uh, he says, <clears throat> "You are in uh, verse 12. You are straight, S-T-R-A-I-T-E-N-E-D, in us. But we are straightened in. You are not start. I'm sorry. Let me restate that. In verse 12, he says, "You're not straightened in us." But you are straightened. Uh, but we, you are straightened in our own bowels. And so, when you see that word "straighten," you, just the way we pronounce it, you think of like a straight, like a straight arrow, you know. But really, it's the same concept as when we talk about a straight jacket, right? Somebody is constrained, uh, and uh, and so. Um, and so we, we, we put that on an insane person. So a narrow body of water is called a straight, like the Bering Strait. And so Paul is communicating with a pure heart that he is uh, holding nothing <clears throat> against his brethren at the church of Corinth. There, he has no ill will toward them. If there's no love uh, for Paul, it's their issue. Uh, because, there's <clears throat> because he has enough room to love all of them, though they seem not to love him back. 
And that's really what he's saying, is that if you look at verse uh, 12, you are, you are not straightened in us, but you are, straight, but you are straightened uh, in your own bowels. And so your constraint, your, your, your consternation is, is your own issue. That's kind of what Paul's saying. We aren't holding anything against you. Uh, our mouth is open to you. Our hearts are open to you. We love you. We have no problem with you. So if you if you got issues, yeah, your issues are in your own heart. You have heart problems, and so Paul's communicating with this pure heart that he's holding nothing against them. So look over at Second Corinthians chapter twelve. Uh, we'll have to back up a few chapters, and just I want you to look that verse up. Second Corinthians chapter twelve and verse fifteen. Someone want to read that? Second Corinthians twelve fifteen. Yeah, so Paul's saying, you know, the more I, I, I'm, I'm happy to expense my life for you, but the more I love you, the less you love me back. <clears throat> and so he's really saying that his, my love is sincere to you. The ministry team's love is sincere to you. We love you guys. If you don't love us, it's kind of your problem, <laughs> you know. And uh, and that's that's unfortunately sometimes the way it is in ministry and in life. And, and so. Um, and in marriage, right? It's called due benevolence in a marriage relationship. And so you can love the other person, but that doesn't mean you will get that love reciprocated back. And so reciprocal love is what everybody wants, but unfortunately we can't always make that happen. So uh, love, for your, love for your brothers in Christ and the lost world is the most critical element of accomplishing our mission as individual ambassadors and representing Christ as a church. So uh, back in the Great Commission, I think we all understand the Great Commission. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Uh, this morning Ray mentioned it in his presentation. So remember that the Great Commission cannot be accomplished if we don't fulfill the Great Commandment. So our lack of forgiveness and love to a spouse or a child or a brother in Christ is a reflection of our lack of love to God. And so, um, again, I touched on that this morning as well. If you go back, look at uh, chapter uh, 2 of 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. And uh, look down at verse 9. 1 John 2.9 It says, he that, he that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even till now. So you can say I'm alright with God, but if you, don't, if you hate your brother, you're not okay with God. That's what the, clearly the Bible says. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. And so... Uh, very clearly in in this passage, uh, you can see that uh, you know there's no occasion of stumbling because you, you're walking in the light. He that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because the darkness hath blinded his eyes. So hatred will blind us. It'll it'll keep us from being able to walk, uh, and we'll be we'll fall down. Is what'll happen. We'll run into things and bump around. So if a child is blind and can not see, it's likely because they have. Uh, a straight heart and mouth. Uh, the, by the, that's basically what the situation is with Laodicean church. Uh, they're bound. Their eyes are. They're blinded. There's something wrong with the heart. We're not able, we're not able to see properly. And so, in First John four, in this same book, if you just go back another chapter uh, or two, in verse twenty, it says, "If any man say I love God and hateth his brother, well, he's a liar." For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, 
that he who loveth God love his brother also. And so in the church body, that's so important because you don't always like everybody, but you do love everybody. And, uh, and you have to, even if you don't like what they do, you can still have to love them. And to say we love God and don't love our brother is, is wrong. It's just not right. So, um, so point B, uh, if you've got an outline, correct communion ensures God will get a return on his investment. And let's look at verses 14 through 18 of chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6, uh, pick it back up in verse 14. So we kind of established that, you know, this issue of, of love is, is their issue. It's not, it's not Paul's. And then he, he kind of transitioned. Transitions in 14 through 18 through the end of the chapter, and he starts talking about these contractual agreements. He says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Interesting, because verse 14 is a lot like what we just read in 1 John 4 about light and darkness, people in light and people in darkness. And so he's really pointing out their fellowship and their concord and their agreements are with the wrong people. And what concord hath Christ with Belial, or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. All right. So uh, don't don't be blind, right? And don't bind uh, and yoke yourself to unbelievers. And so uh, that's what he's talking about in verse 14. Don't get yoked together with unbelievers. So if we do, our spiritual productivity and reproductivity will come to a halt when we become unequally yoked. In Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 10, uh, in the law of Moses, Moses says, Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. I just read this a few weeks ago, a few days ago, last week. And um, or it was a couple of weeks ago now. But uh, why don't you put an ox and, and, a, and an ass together? They have different abilities to pull. Right. They won't get anywhere, will they? Mm-hmm. they an ox won't pull uh, with, a, with a, a donkey, right? They're not going to work together. And so he's like, don't put them together. You've got to be equally yoked. You've got to put the yoke on the same animals for them to pull together. And uh, just because we're called to be in this world does not mean we're able to become like the world. And so uh, the the key to that is insulation, not isolation. Oftentimes we want to we want to isolate ourselves, uh, but then we won't be able to witness. We'll be like the Amish, you know, hiding out in uh, 40 acres and you know in our little compounds. So what we got to do is insulate, and so we can get out in the world. We're, we're in the world, but we're not of the world, so to speak. So we need to insulate, not isolate. And so if we're full of the Spirit, well, we won't be giving a place to the devil. And, and it's not uh, what goes in, uh, but it's what comes out, is what Jesus said. So what, what's interest, what we've got to do is make sure that our heart's right so we can filter the, the bad out and keep the, and keep the good. And the, what we need to be putting in is the Word of God. If we're full of God's Word and the Spirit of God, we won't have room for all the other stuff. And so we won't have an appetite for it. It's just like me. I love ice cream, but when I eat a good meal, I'd, it's interesting how... You know, if I, if meal time's at six o'clock, at five forty-five I see ice cream. I want to eat ice cream. But if I sit down and eat a good meal at six o'clock, by the time six thirty comes, I don't really want ice cream at six thirty anymore because I've filled up on good stuff. And now the bad stuff, well, I don't, I don't really want it. Well, I might want it, but I don't have room for it anymore, right? I'm filled up. 
And so we're kind of like that too, spiritually, right? And so when we make God's Word a priority and the things of God a priority, we lose our appetite for the things of this world. It's like I was using the illustration this morning about football, and that's really true. I mean, there was a time in my life, as silly as it seems, where the outcome of a football game really drove me. I mean, it would have messed with my emotions. I was so emotionally caught up in the Chiefs winning or losing. You know, it would be it would be like a sad day if they lost. It'd be like, oh. You know, I'd be depressed. And so, and now I'm just like, oh, well, you know, next. I, I want him to win, but it doesn't, it's not going to ruin my day or my life. And, uh, and God weaned me off of that by filling my life up with things that were more important until finally I just said, whatever, I don't care. I can't believe I ever was that caught up in it. But, you know, that's, that's, the, way, that's the way us humans are. So uh, just because we're called to be in this world doesn't mean we're to become like the world. So uh, the obvious illustration is being uh, applied to marriage. I think this passage is always applied. When you hear this verse, usually it's to dating and marriage. You know, be not equally yoked together with unbelievers, which is appropriate because marriage is a contractual agreement, and so it is really appropriate. But Paul's not just talking about marriage here; he's really talking about uh, he really is talking about contractual arrangements in the world as well. He does say in 1 Corinthians 7.39, The wife is bound by the law as long as her husband liveth, but if her husband be dead, she is at liberty to be married to whom she will, only in the Lord. And so uh, she's able to marry somebody who is a Christian, so a brother. So it's kind of like the, the, the law of this kinsman redeemer in the Old Testament, but applied in the New Testament is to somebody who's in Christ. So if I die, my wife can marry someone else, but it has to be somebody in in the body of Christ. It has to be a man, got to be really specific nowadays, a Christian man, born again, in the body of Christ. So it has to be a brother in that sense, not a literal brother. That's creepy. All right, so uh, so if our thoughts and actions are being compromised, it's time to withdraw from the world. There is a time to withdraw and sanctify ourselves and get out. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22, back in the Old Testament, has a passage uh, that deals with that. Proverbs 22 and verse 24 uh, let me get there. Proverbs twenty two twenty four says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, um, lest thou learn his ways and get a snare to thy soul. So you don't want to hang around. There's some people you just don't want to hang around with. Uh, a furious man, a person that's given to anger, isn't somebody you want to be yoked to. Right? That's not somebody you want to spend your time with. And so though we may, be, we may have friends in this world, uh, quote, quote, uh, we should not have friendships with the world. And there's a difference. And so uh, James 4, 4 says, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is, in, is the enemy of God. And so when you first get saved, too, it, it is very literal because most of your friends and friendships are in the world and there's usually a pairing away. And, and where, where's people, where are these new people in our church going to find the friends that they need? Well, they need to find them in the church. That's why it's important when here at HBF, I wish I was saying this to the whole congregation, uh, that right now we have a lot of guests coming in. So it's important that we are friendly to people because especially these ones that are getting saved, like Tommy Stooks just got baptized, he needs friends because the friendships in the world are not going to help him. He needs people that are going to help him grow closer to Christ. So if you're true born, purely born again, then you already know through the conviction of God's Spirit when you're crossing the line. You don't really need me to tell you. I know when I first got saved, I could tell when I was crossing the line. And so notice, no, go back to our text in 2 Corinthians 6. Notice what Paul says here. 
in verse uh, 14, 2 Corinthians 6, 14, uh, Paul says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? And so notice he uses the word communion. You know, what communion... Uh, has light with darkness. We're going to celebrate communion here in a few weeks. Um, you know, uh, that's an interesting word, communion. What common union do we have with darkness? Well, we don't. Uh, when we bind ourselves with darkness, it actually pulls us away from God. We don't have any common union. There's nothing in common. In First Thessalonians 5, Paul says uh, in verse uh, 5, Ye are, all, uh, ye are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So Paul's saying, what communion, what common union do you have with darkness? Well, in another place he says none, right? Because we are children of the light. Therefore, let us not sleep uh, as do others. Let us watch and be sober. We talked about that this morning in Second Corinthians chapter, um, or First Corinthians chapter 16. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet the hope of salvation. So don't make contracts with the devil. That's really what he's also saying. What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? Uh, we're either serving God or the devil, and uh, it's our choice whose table we eat at now that we're saved. In Romans 6, the Apostle Paul said in verse 15, What then? Shall we sin because we, have, because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or uh, obedience unto unrighteousness. So when we're lost, we don't have any options but to be bound to sin. But now that we're saved, we can actually choose to eat at the devil's table and make agreement with him. That's a stupid thing to do, but we do it, and we shouldn't. And so don't play games with God. It bit Adam and Eve. You know, They had dinner with the wrong person, and the next thing you know, uh, they're in a world of hurt, and they've messed up their whole the whole human race, right? So you don't make deals with the devil. It will come back to, to bite you, no pun intended. So if we do not heed God's counsel, he'll give us a lie to believe, just like Pharaoh. And so uh, don't, uh, don't allow uh, idolatry in your temple. That's verse 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God ha- hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Now I think it's interesting that he uses the word temple because obviously most of the references to us in this body is what? Not a temple, but a tabernacle. Because in the wilderness, they, it was a portable tabernacle, temple. And we're in a wilderness journey right now until we get out of this body into our eternal home. But he calls our body a temple because there was actually a temple in Corinth that they would go and worship at. And, not, and, and bad things were going on at that temple. And he's like, don't, don't, don't be going to that temple. Right? You have a new temple and it's your body. Because our body is also the temple. The temple is a place of worship as well as the tabernacle. Uh, but of course after the tabernacle came the temple in Jerusalem. And so God's got a permanent dwelling place in our heart. We're born again. It's a place of His place. It's His place to dwell in. It's His dwelling place. So we don't need to make a, an agreement with the devil. As a matter of fact, when you look at that in an individual sense, Paul's teaching the church at Corinth this, but what's about to come in the future here in the world is what's called the abomination of desolations, when literally the devil makes an agreement, a concord, an agreement with the world, and eventually puts himself as the seat of power in the temple. 
and wants worship to be put upon himself. He's ultimately after, and until that temple in Jerusalem is built, and he can put all his attention back on Israel, the temples that he's attacking are these temples, because this is where he wants to corrupt the worship. And so these are things that we got to be privy to. You know, we're not fools, and so we know we're not. We understand his devices, so we can't play games with him, and we can't tempt him. So don't don't allow idolatry in our temple. We can't allow that to happen. The Bible tells us that covetousness is idolatry, and anything that we worship more than God is an idol. And so we can't set, we, uh, we gotta set ourselves apart for God's use. That's what he's talking about in verse 17. Wherefore, come out from among them. Right, we call that sanctification. And be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So praise God for our decision to come out from among them and be separate. Uh, we do have, we do not have to serve sin. Praise God for that. We do not have to do that. We choose not to do that. In Galatians 5.16, Paul says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I love that verse. Because walking in the Spirit is a decision. It's a decision we make. You know, today everyone's a victim, but in the church of the living God, we can't afford to be victims. We got to be victorious through making decisions to walk in the Spirit. And the Bible is the mind of the Spirit. So when we fill our mind with the Word of God, it gives the Spirit the encouragement it needs, so we can walk in the Spirit and not give place to the devil. So remember uh, who you are in Christ. You are an ambassador, right? You have a job description. You have a time limit. You got to get things done, and you have performance factors. God's expecting us not to get yoked together with the world, but to be free of the things of this world so we can, he can get the return on investment that he's put in each and every one of us. So God expects more of us uh, than to grovel in the mud and uh, play around like a, a pig in the, in the pigsty, right? He didn't save us to go back to the world and to wallow in the mud. So, uh, so do we spend time with our Heavenly Father? And that's how he ends it. And I will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And we often focus on First John chapter 1. First John chapter 3, right? Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And we talk about our inheritance and our transition into the third heaven. But it's really cool because in verse 18, Paul's very clear that uh, he puts the feminine, feminine aspect in there. And he says, ye, ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And so he's he's including the women in that. Where and by the way, he's that's blazing a trail because the women were often not accounted for in the first century. And he's letting both of the both genders know that that uh, you know the Lord is going to be there. Their communion is with the heavenly Father, and it all boils down to fellowship. It really does. It boils down to having fellowship with God. And First John chapter one and verse seven says. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Uh, not some sin, but all sin. So fellowshipping with Christ is what keeps us clean. So none of us will experience uh, sinless perfection until we get ex our extreme makeover, right? And we get our glorified body. But God has made it possible for us to fellowship right now, right now tonight. And that's why we go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, correct communion ensures God will get a return on His investment. So we have a job, right? That's the ministers of reconciliation. That goes back to the previous chapter. Uh, we're on the clock. That starts in chapter 6. We have a job description. Paul gives that job description for us. And then the last part from verses 11 through 18, he gives us the performance factors. So he gets really honest about all the things uh, that we need to be doing and, and not doing, right? And, uh, and making sure that we're not compromising the investment that he's put in us. And so in conclusion...
um, you know, we got to be ready to report to work, right? So tomorrow is Monday. Everybody's got to report to work, hypothetically. And, uh, and so, so that's what we should do. When we wake up, we need to report to work. Lord, what do you have for me today? Uh, I'm, I'm a minister of reconciliation. I have the word of reconciliation. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm going to make a decision to walk in the Spirit. Oh, I need to make sure I have the mind of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I need to get this mind in me, which is also in Christ Jesus. It needs to be reflected in the way I live. I need to be humble. I need to be willing to give my life as Christ gave His life. That is what the Christian job description is about. It's not just what we know, it's what we do. And so uh, then we have that performance factors that God can judge us by. Are we really humble? Are we really walking in the Spirit? Are we making agreements with things that we shouldn't? Or are we setting ourselves apart so that we can make an influence in the world or are we being influenced by the world? That's what it boils down to. Either we're influencing the world in which we live in or it's influencing us. And so are we helping God's cause are we hindering it? And that's really what it boils down to. Are we a help to God's cause? Are we hindering it? And that's easy to say. It's always, it's sometimes harder to do. And so we need to be in prayer for each other. That's why we need to be praying. So that gets us through chapter 6. Uh, next week when we get together, I'll be in chapter 7. And we'll move on. So we're ma- we're making we're flying through Second Corinthians. Not really, but we're getting through it. Okay, next week, could you bring? I don't know whether I left it someplace. The outline for this? Yeah, I don't have it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you did have it, but I don't know whether I have it. Or not. Oh no! Is there some out in the in the foyer? I think they may have thrown them out or something. Anyway, when you bring the next one, bring this one also. Okay, I will. Please. I will do that. And I hope this records and it's up on the web. I do, I'm not confident that this recorder is, is actually working. I hope it is. Usually there's something that's clicking saying saying you're recording. It does say rec, like it's recording, so hopefully it is. I don't know. But anyway. Well, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come together tonight. Thank you for our guests that are here tonight. Uh, thank you, Lord, for just giving us a moment here to get in the Word before we pray. We want to pray for Ron Casson tonight and Jamie Davis and, and uh, Jeff Trude and, and those that are usually here uh, so faithfully. Lord, thank you for uh, bringing Belinda tonight. And Lord, I just pray, God, that you're encouraged with our faithfulness and, uh, and our willingness and our want to tonight. We thank you and we praise you for loving us and giving us your Son. We pray, God, a blessing on the reading and the hearing of your word and its application tonight. We just thank you, and we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to stop this somehow.